0: Hello, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Well, as predicted from the day he retired by some people, Ben Stokes reverses his decision and has been named in England's squad for the Cricket World Cup later this year. We'll hear the thoughts of national selector Luke Wright after Harry Brook was left out of the 15-man squad to make way for Stokes. And we'll discuss Gus Atkinson's surprise inclusion... Surrey and England batter Will Jacks joins us to uh, talk about his long-term plans with England and how much he works on his underrated spin bowling and we'll discuss the news that Mark Wood has signed to play in the ILT20 which will clash with England's test tour of India next year and we'll end the show by discussing any other business as South Africa confirmed they'll send a weekend side for test matches in New Zealand so plenty to come over the next hour you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, Hammy, you had a like a maybe a one or two percent doubt that uh, Stokes was actually going to unretire from ODIs last week, but uh, there was so much noise in the media, wasn't there? It had clearly been leaked, and by and large, it has been very, very widely hailed as a good thing, the right thing. Um, I'm slightly surprised there wasn't a little bit more criticism when I mean, the former Australian captain Tim Payne on his. Radio show, I think, was after a few clickbaits by saying it was a me, me, me decision. But I thought there might be a few other people that would uh, would question the wisdom of unretiring and how often it works and doesn't work. But but as I said, by and large, it has been widely hailed as absolutely the right thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a fiver, I owe you because I, I thought I still thought there's there's a slight chance he wouldn't he wouldn't go. Listen to Tim Payne. I listened to the first. Part of what he said, and then he wrote it back yesterday. I think he had a, a big row back yesterday, and uh, he, he didn't mean it was all about Ben. He, he, I can't remember what he said, but he did roll it back. So, um, a, a U turn by an Australian again. So, I, I thought it was a mistake, you know. I really, I'll be honest, you, I'll be brutally honest with you, manners. The squad gets announced, and I'm sitting there, and I'm because was the name's in alphabetical order. So, I'm writing it down, and I've gone, the pick 16. So I've gone through it again, ticked him off, and I've gone, they made a mistake here, they've picked 16. It's a 15-man squad. And then it wasn't until about the third or the fourth time I wrote it down, I've gone, where's Harry Brook? And and then I I realised, and then you come and say, largely and widely, it was was sort of positive. There's a huge amount of positives of getting Ben to come back. And the Harry Brook one is a different story again, but I couldn't believe they've left Harry Brook out. Ben Stokes is a no-brainer. Pick two players, and I'll, we'll come on to Stokes in a second. But I'll talk about the selection now because it brings me back to right the start of the Test match summer, where they get to Ireland. You probably knew that what what the team was. How do you get Robinson, Anderson, and Broad? Two two out of three with Wood, and you go well. They didn't. They just left Mark Wood out and picked the three because they didn't know which way to go. A little bit of a cop out decision, and I think who did the same about David Milan and Joe Root. David Milan, who's in the top 10 in the world in both white ball comp, uh, white ball formats, how do we leave David Milan out? We can't really because of the way he performed in Australia and the way he's performed. But we need Joe Root. So we'll pick them both. And the one that sacrificed was Harry Brook. And I'm going, you are kidding me. Yeah, you know, this bloke, halfway through the summer, we are giving him multi-year contracts because we see him as the best, you know, one of the best players that we've got we have to stick, you know, we have to give the future to Harry Brooke. And then all of a sudden, you leave him out of the World Cup squad. It just didn't make sense. I, I really don't get that. I know KP was was hard on it, but you had to pick Ben Stokes if he was available. And that, for me, it's going to be interesting with Stokes now because I don't believe Ben can go to India three times in a winter. He's got the World Cup, he's got five test matches, and then he's got a lucrative period here in the IPL. So one of them's got to give. It'll not be the test. He's now put his hat in the ring for the for the World Cup. So he's given up the IPL. I, I think that has to has to be his knee can't get him through the, the whole winter in India. So I think because of whether they put pressure or they didn't put pressure, it's brilliant for England that Ben's going. And it's a it's a no-brainer to be selected. But I am so surprised on the Harry Brook omission.
0: Well, Luke Wright had a lot of uh, explaining to do. Um, First of all, this is him on the return of Stokes.
2: I mean, ultimately, it's about winning a World Cup, isn't it? You know, that's the most important thing in front of us. Um, I think you can always hold back for different series, but, you know, at at the end of the day, it's a World Cup and it's something that Ben wanted to be involved in, which I think is a huge, huge positive, the fact that he wants to be and he's willing to keep pushing himself to the limit, you know. Um, he's still having time to to do his rest and rehab which he's doing which he says his knee does feel like it's improving it's bowling obviously that causes him huge stress around that knee um, which is one of the main things which is as we said why we're taking him as a batter only Um, but ultimately you know the decision came down that it's a World Cup that we want to win and we feel like we're better with we've got more chance with Stokesy playing than we haven't and to have him back I think is a huge positive
0: Well everybody agrees that uh, it was a straightforward decision much more difficult was the omission of Brook. Here's Luke Wright again.
2: That's as hard a decision as you're ever going to get. You know, there's no doubting he's someone that, you know, we we couldn't think any higher of. But it's just that middle order decision, really. We spoke to him coming back, that it was going to squeeze, and it made it incredibly, incredibly tough. could he pretend to travel as a replacement? Absolutely. Um, there's no doubt about that at all.
0: The interesting thing, Harmy, is uh, whether Harry Brooke goes as a travelling reserve. I don't know whether you were ever placed in that position, but uh, how, how would how would you feel? How do you think Harry Brook would feel if he uh,
3: gets a tap on the shoulder and is asked to go along as the travelling reserve? I think he goes. He has to because, obviously, he's contracted. But if I was advising Harry Brook, you'd be talking to him in a, in a way, which would be, you know what, everything was talked about, multi-year deals, and you came out and said, I want to play cricket for England. Test matches is everything. He went on record and said that throughout the summer. I'd be advising them and saying, just think about what you're saying in the future because these these, these are the decisions that potentially could happen where you, they are wanting to build a, a team around you. They are wanting to utilise you in England games only and will pay you for that. And then they're going to leave you out of the World Cup. I think when, when the big bucks offers come, like they have done with Mark Wood, like they have done with many others for this Dubai League, which is not going anywhere, I think they tried to shut it down last year and it didn't work. They're coming back with even more money. I'd be saying to Harry Brooke, just make sure your hat's in the ring for this, this sort of stuff. You can say England and you can play for England, but unless they come up with a, the terms and conditions with a multi-year deal, which I would have done with a give Brooke a multi-year contract or to give Wood a multi-year contract to keep him away from you know these franchise tournaments because he's so important for England. I think I'd be saying to him, I would think again now, I'd be looking, you know, don't just shut the door on all these competitions because, you know, England have shut the door on, on arguably, you know, the biggest white ball competition in the world, 50 overs, which is the World Cup, which we've already won. So we've seen what a, what a transformation it did for the country when we won it in 2019. You're not going this time, you're not going from the first 15. But I'm sure Brooke will go as a traveling reserve if he's asked, along with like Jofra archer has been asked.
0: OK, and finally, Harmy. for the last sort of three or four years, it's felt like it's in- incredibly difficult to get into the England squad. You know, lots and lots of bowlers, lots of batters to choose from. Um, there must have been dozens of, uh, of of ambitious cricketers thinking, how am I ever going to get into this squad? And then suddenly Gus Atkinson finds himself after two or three years of being injured and playing second eleven cricket, being largely anonymous. He's in the squad and he's going to a World Cup. I mean, that was... From left field, quite extraordinary. And I tell you what, there'd be a few cricketers around the counties rolling their
3: eyes at the fact that he plays for Surrey. Yeah, again, it's it's Surrey, but I bet that's that would be a cheap shot against against Gus. He's done brilliant. He really has, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him play that longer format of the one day competition of the white ball competition. He hit some good speeds in the uh, in the blast and in in the um, in the hundred and. Look to keep that up. When people are looking and going, oh, we found another ninety-five mile an hour bowler. We haven't. He's not a ninety-five mile an hour bowler. He's a good bowler that bowls a good pace and good good wheels. You know, a really really strong bowler. But England have only got one that well, one and a half ninety mile an hour bowlers. Because you know, we'll see what happens when Jofra comes back if he's the same speed. Um But I don't see pace Wise being in the same league as as Mark or as Jofra. So, but it's a great call up. He's done absolutely brilliant, and he's the right bowler to be called up for the for the ones that are out there because he gives you that little bit of difference. He's got that little bit of bit extra Pierce. Um, and like you say, he's a strong boy, so he'll bowl well. I think on on Indian wickets, so yeah, you know, good for him. Forget where he plays; he's, he's county cricket. Uh, he's out there on merit. and um, somebody who possibly. Would have been an outside chance in the summer. I'm sure they'd have been talking about him playing in the ashes. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed he gets across to the World Cup, stays injury-free and and gives England another option.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. All right, let's turn our attention to the 4020s t um, against uh, New Zealand. Hard luck on John Turner. A slightly different case here of uh, all the dozens of South African-raised cricketers who have made their careers in england he actually um is english um he he yes he was born in south africa and uh, raised in south africa to english parents has an english passport and i don't think he's one of those ones that uh, left south africa to seek fortune elsewhere i think that was always the plan so yeah uh, unlucky for him the hampshire fast bowler injured at just the wrong time but uh, uh, one South African out, another one in. Bryden Kars, um is recalled for the 2020 squad. It's Liam Livingston, a little fortunate, Harmy, after a very, very quiet 12 months, injury marred, of course. But um, I guess the legacy of Owen Morgan retaining faith, some would say blind faith in his best players, um, lives on.
3: Yeah, it does. And again, Livingston is so talented. He, I think he's somewhat a bit like Zach Crawley in the test matches. I think you've got to try and give him a little bit extra time than anybody else because of you know what his ceiling level is and what he can do. He's got to perform. And I think the World Cup coming round, I, I think we'll see a, an unbelievable World Cup because there'll be so many players throwing the hat into the IPL ring that it's in India. We want to perform. And I think Liam's definitely one of them. Um, and he's, he has had a lean 12 months, but I think he's... I think the way he plays is so important to this this white ball unit whether it be 50 over or 2020 because his explosive batting lower down coupled with a especially in the in the in the shortest format of the game the 2020 them sort of all sorts of spin bowling options that he that he, he throws down I think he is England's best all-rounder in that format now Ben's not fitting off the ball but he has to turn up and I think it is it is the old Sinatra one, now and ever. So you try and pick a team and you try and work out who is the best options you've got and try and believe that they can play at their maximum. And if they do, then Liam Livingston is always one of the first names on a team sheet, especially in the shortest format. So because of that, I think you have to give him a little bit more time. I agree. that I, I, I didn't know too much about John Turner. I really didn't. I had to go back and when I seen his name picked, I had to look him up and I actually quite enjoyed what I saw. I thought, you know, I, I told, told Guy, he bowls, you know, a decent pace, not rapid, but decent pace, excellent control of the of the white ball. And it, it is, it, it's it, it's very sad. It's unlucky that we don't get to see him just before the end of the summer with a view that where the, you know, where the tours are going in the winter, which I think he would have been, he would have been ideal to go with the, the likes of going to the West Indies um, and then on to India. So, it's a blow for him. I'm pleased Carse is in because I think he is a. I think Bryden is a is an extremely talented young man who, again, another one of these ones that always seems to pick an injury just as he gets back into the England reckoning. So I'm pleased for him. But you're right about Livingston. I think he can find himself fortunate that he is in the World Cup squad and in, is still around in the 2020s. And it's now he's got to perform. John
0: Turner, by the way, opened the bowling at Hilton College, one of South Africa's most exclusive private schools, same place that Lungi and Giedi went, and um, touched by the coaching genius of your old mate, Dale Benkenstein.
3: Benke, and, and he doing all right with Gloucester as well. He had, didn't have a great year last year, but Benke's a great man. He's a great man to be around, great man to, to sort of talk cricket about to, with and soundboard, and, and he was somebody who... It was so simple. The game, the game was so simple. I can see why people enjoy playing for Banks because if you if you're an honest and you understand your game, um, and you can be honest with the assessment of where your games are, if you're not playing very well, you know, he will try and talk you through it. If you are playing well, he will try and simplify the game as much as he possibly can. He was just a, he was a good leader, but a good man, and I think that's why a lot of people do enjoy playing for Dale Bankinsdale.
0: Okay, we need to move on now to your another mate of yours, Mark Wood. I am assuming, let's just clarify, that he has signed for the ILT20, which is the UAE T20 League, yeah. which takes place at roughly the same time as the uh, SA20. I, I'm assuming, Hami, and I, I could be wrong here, uh, he would actually, by the way, logistically be available for the fourth and fifth test matches in India. But my assumption is that when the ILT20, I think it's the Dubai Capitals, contacted him or his agent. I my assumption is that Mark Wood would have called, I don't know, Rob Key or or Ben Stokes or called the people close to him and said, Look, I've been made this offer I can't understand. And I I'm assuming that they would have said to him, Woody, you've got to take it. You
3: you've got to take it. That's a life-changing amount of cash. I don't know the ins and outs. I know he I knew he got offered a, a four game or five game Gig in the in the ILT twenty. I think these contracts that they've been offered, they have to sign them to be available to throw their hat in the ring. It doesn't necessarily mean they've got to go because obviously there's other cricket that's going on. If it's reported what he's what he's been offered financially, I don't think it's an, an easy decision because I'd like to think I'd like to think you want to play cricket for England, but it would also be a, a shot across the the bow to the Rob Key and the, the, the directors of English cricket, go, can we compete with this as uh, our big players? And I'll come back to what I said right at the top of the show about Harry Brooke. Do we now multi, multi-year contract our players to try and not keep them away from these competitions? They have to play in the IPL because that is life-changing sums of money. And this is for four games. But can we can we put a contract together for two years, for the likes of Harry Brook and Mark Wood, players, Geoff Archer when he comes back, players that are so valuable to us. To give them a financial reward, we can't compete with these other competitions. If somebody wants to offer them 400,000, 500,000 for five games, then we can't compete with that. But we could come to an agreement that over the course of a 12-month period, we can, of 24-month period, we can pay you a decent sum of money to play for England alone, and have still have the balance of time with your family, and this is the thing. And this might sound critical towards Mark, but Mark and many many other in England cricketers have asked for time off because they haven't spent time with their family. This is what I would, and this is what I said to to Kesey last year or the year before. When we we're talking about the selectors thing. If they're going to accept contracts from ECB, if they're going to accept contracts from franchises, then the gloves are off when it comes to wanting to spend time with their family. They can't just take time off when England are playing. They can't take time off when there's a little gap in the window because they've chose to go to play these competitions. So do do England not offer Mark central contract? That's that's the next, next phase of it. Do you then not offer your players central contracts? Say to Mark Wood, you can go and play... In the ILT Twenty, along with you know Chris Wilkes has been offered, Jamie Overton's been offered, Joe Root, Russ Atkinson, all these players, and then do you just turn around and say, "Well, we'll contract, we'll contract you for the games that you play for England"? Are you just ad hoc? So I think there's a big decision You've got to come out ECB Towers end of September, October, when it comes to the contracts of their players, because if they contract Mark Wood, Russ Atkinson especially Chris Wokes, who we see as the, you know, long-term successor of Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson. If we contract these players, we have to be able to control what they're doing next. And if they turn around and say, yes, go off and play in that because it's a life-changing sum of the money, then that's leadership coming from the top. But you've also got to have both ways. And you've got to be able to say, well, the most important thing for me is the ECB and the England cricket team. Now, if I'm going to give you a contract, I expect you to play for England in the big games, in the big series. If you're going to go off and do that, well, then I can't offer you a contract. And then you see where see where the, see where it goes and you have to offer you know, a fortune to play games for England, in not one-off games. But you, you then you don't contract these players. And then it comes all the way back to Alex Stewart. Sorry about the long rant, but it comes all the way back to Alex Stewart. What Alex Stewart said to us a long time ago is that if we're contracting players and they're going off and playing in other competitions, we still have to keep them fit. We still have to give them physio. We still have to give them facilities to go and train and practice. So, where does the line draw? And I think this possibly the line that needs to be drawn in the sand by Rob Key and showing leadership. Because if you are just saying, I oh, can go off and play there because it's life changing sums of money, what's the England cricket team going to look like if they get injured? where's the life-changing sums of money? Because if they get injured, they'll be looking at insurance, and that'll come through ACB's pocket. So from that point of view, I think there's a big call to be made over this situation, and I'm not sure which way it goes.
0: I mean, I think cricketers need a grounding in authenticity. I think they need to play the right amount of what I call real cricket. And, you know, I OK, it might sound disrespectful to the likes of ILT20 and many of the other franchise competitions, but... Playing cricket for your country or whatever it is, playing first-class cricket or playing test cricket or playing for your county, where you grew up, where you've got roots, where you've got a base, authentic cricket, I believe. Yeah, That's why I've, I think that we, in many years to come, we'll have a real problem with the generation of cricketers who... Are just itinerant labourers, just yep. walking around. They can't remember. They don't know what the coaching philosophy is and who who the coach is. They go from one franchise to another, picking up lots and lots of money and end up with a full bank account and an empty moral compass. I, I really, really fear for that. And I think that at some point, cricketers are going to have to say, "I could have." I don't know, I don't know. It's happened, not very often. Cricketers have said, I could have earned a lot more money doing this, but I chose to do this. Chris Wokes is an example, but he's one of the most grounded men in the game, isn't he? He didn't go into the RPL auction because he wanted to, to play in the Ashes and he ended up as as man of the series. But you can't, I just think that you, you need roots, don't you? I mean, cricketers need
3: roots. I fear for Will Smead, for example. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And But what will happen if Will Smead doesn't get any runs in, in white ball cricket? He'll end up coming back and playing... The cricket that he needs to play to get him back in that position, which would be back into county cricket, because that's his only avenue back into the game. It's his only, it's his only income stream to come back into the game. And I, I don't think we're far away from a transfer system. I really don't think we're away from a, a transfer system because franchise cricket's coming. Michael Atherton wrote it last year. ICC fell asleep at the wheel with all these competitions being allowed and sanctioned to just do whatever they want when they want. And say cherry pick players. I think the franchise system comes in. Players will sign multi-year deals with franchises, and there will be a transfer system. It will, it will, that's the only way you not only way you can stop it, but it's a, one of the ways where you can. So, if the ECB have got a player contracted for for two years, three years, the only way the T Twenty can get them is if they pay for them, and that's it. The ECB would it would be the ECB that would have to get the money, not the player. Player signed a big contract and he goes off and plays. And I, I honestly don't know how it how this ends happily, because like you said before, what's what's the landscape going to look like in two, five, ten years time? You have guns for hire, just go off and play with no thought of, you know, like you say, your roots or you know the country that you play for. But I'd also say you've got to be careful when it comes to that because you got into the game a certain way, which is you played for a county, not always a first-class county. You know, Mark would play for Northumberland. You came in through the county system. You came in through first-class county. You got on a position to play for England, which then led you to play in these franchise tournaments, which made you a rich, rich man or woman, whichever way, because I think that's going the same way. They've got to be, this is where the ECB potentially need to show, find a solution, show some leadership and sometimes... Harsh decision, a hard decision needs to be made. And if it means big names going off into the sunset, then let them go. Because there are there, there are times where you just have to go. Well, this is this is the deal. You either play here, this is what we'll pay you, and this is what we'll give you. If they go off and play somewhere else, you, this is the England cricket team, not dog and duck. So if you know Mark Wood, Chris Wokes, Jamie Overton, Jamie Smith's been offered, Joe Root's been offered, Gus Atkinson. If they go off and play in the ILT 20 and don't play in the first two test matches for England, then let them go. You'll find somebody else that will want to play. You'll build the England, t- the England cricket team around that. I'd be surprised if Woke goes, I'd be surprised if Root goes, but the others, I think we wait and see.
0: I just want to clarify something you alluded to, Harmy, just before we end this section. And that is the nature of those contracts. We have to bear in mind that... Mark Wood signing for the Dubai Capitals gives them six months of marketing. Um, And it doesn't mean I don't believe necessarily that he is committed to playing in every game or even playing. So he, he, he's signed. That's it. He's the great marquee signing and it adds credibility and authenticity to their competition. And I, I think there is a degree of fluidity around those contracts. I mean, Joe Root's, Joe Root's been retained by his franchise in the ILT20. He's not going to miss test matches in India, no. for goodness sake. But no. he can appear in all their merchandising and all their marketing campaigns. So yeah, let's not jump the gun. It's still yeah, six yeah. months away. But
3: it's whether they have this conversation now, or you have it in three months' time, six months' time, nine months, 12 months' time. This is the conversation that's probably got to be had within the ECB to work out what is the best contract system. We have got to make sure all our players are doing the best they possibly can for the England cricket team. And whether the can's been kicked down the road so many times over a number of three, four years, I think that conversation, especially what, what's happening with this, and you're spot on with that, this might be the tipping point where that conversation comes ahead. Like I said before, talking about multi-year deals for some of our best young players, I think that that for me was what needed what needs to happen. September, October, when the new contracts come out.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. Uh, next up, part three, we'll hear exclusively from Surrey and England batter, all-rounder, I should say, Will Jacks. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honouring highly requested new colours for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you download your podcasts. Okay, time now to hear, as promised, from Surrey and England batter Will Jacks. He was at an event supporting the ACE program, which aims to support diverse talent from grassroots to elite. Here he is in conversation with our very own Talk Sports Scott Taylor.
4: So, Will, thanks for joining us here. We're down at Sixes Westfield. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing today.
1: Yeah, we're here um, at Westfield today. I think there's some kids coming down later. Uh, we're just going to hang around, play some uh, cricket on the Sixes machine. I've never done that before. It looks quite interesting. Hang around, chat around, and just, yeah, good experience for the kids. You've never been on that before. No, I've never done it before. It looks quite hard. But Ross Wiley's having a go now, and he's whacking it everywhere, so maybe it's not. I don't know. It's on
4: for you. <laughs> yeah we're here celebrating sort of diversity with the ACE program and that sort of stuff so how important is diversity in cricket you've probably been in a lot of changing rooms where there's people from different backgrounds and stuff how important is that
1: yeah I think the the most important thing is opportunity for everyone that's what um, cricket's trying to get to Uh, I've been involved with the ACE program back at Surrey obviously they're based at the Oval so I've done a few things with them and it's great to see people getting the opportunity from all backgrounds um, wherever you're born or wherever you're from everyone should have the same opportunity so Yeah, it's really good to see that, um, and I guess it's growing. I think you've seen the the soccer community as well, the um, guys playing first-class cricket and guys coming through there as well. So it's great to see players coming from all backgrounds and playing our game.
4: And you've been around playing a lot of franchise cricket. What have you learned from some of the overseas, for example, here at Oval Invincibles?
1: Yeah, the Invincibles, obviously, we've been lucky to have Sonny on Orion for all three years, and a guy with a wealth of experience uh, playing in all the different conditions, and it's basically just... Seeing all different experiences in the game and in tight spots, what, what do they go to? And at the end of the day, it's you've got to trust your trust your skill that you've worked on over and over again. That's one thing that guys do. They just train constantly and you've just got to perfect that skill. Playing all over the world, like you experience different pitches and stuff. So when you get to that in the pressure situations, um, whatever the bowler throws at you or the batter, if you're a bowler, then you, you're ready for that um, and you can take it on however you best want to. How much do you work on your spin? Like I'm a full-time bowler. I would love to get more opportunities with the ball. I think I'm um, in T20 cricket, I'm underused both here and, uh, and at Surrey, which is disappointing, but I guess we always have lots of all-rounders and so many options, so it's often hard to choose when to bowl. Bowling is something that I've developed over the last four or five years now, and I, I know I'm, I'm an all-rounder, I can, I can bowl that all-rounding row, I can try and be a frontline spinner in first-class cricket, um, and I guess as an off-spinner in, in white ball cricket, it's hard to just bowl off-spin. Yeah. So developing variations is important, but I don't particularly particularly use different deliveries and such. It's just subtle variations of wrist and speed, etc. And teaching a cricket with, I found quite quite useful, and I've I've had success doing those because I think as a batsman.
4: Do you think it's unfair then that people label you as a batter that bowls a bit? Because when Jack Leach suffered that injury in the summer, people are talking about who could replace him, and there was options, and a lot of people saying well, Jacks can bowl, but he's mainly a batter. Is that sort of something you're? unhappy with being labelled
1: well no because they're not wrong I am in my head I'll always be a batter who bowls because yeah. I, w- I would hate to not get picked as a batter because people think I'm a bowler yeah I'll always be a batter I open the batting in t running cricket I'd love to get higher up the order in first class cricket it's something that I'll, I'll realistically I'll always be better at mm. but that doesn't mean I don't work as hard as I can at my bowling and I think I'm twenty four years old. I think when Mo started he was a second spinner and then he's developed into that frontline spinner so that's something I can almost hopefully see my career going down that path. It's tough being a bowler, it's hard I barely bowled this year, the pitches have been so seamer friendly, the weather's been crap. It's hard to bowl as an off spinner at the moment. I'm always yearning for opportunities and I'm just working my craft in the nets so that hopefully one day I'll be ready to go.
4: So how important is it that sorry, you have Bats, who's been on that journey himself over the 20 years he was a player?
1: He's obviously head coach. He's not He's not the, the bowling coach, so his role is overseeing everyone. Yeah. So getting that one-to-one time, I probably had more of it when he was still playing. Yeah. But he's the technical aspect. I'm, I'm never going to be a technically perfect bowler. I know that. Uh, there's so many things about the action which I don't know and don't understand. But I think coming from a, a, such a strong batting background and... I would say I've got quite a decent cricket brain. So I think I use that to almost think backwards um, and work from the batsman um, and I just try and be effective that way. So we kind of think more tactically than technically and that works for us.
4: How much did you learn in in Pakistan playing for England over the winter in the the test matches?
1: Yeah, it's hard toil. Test cricket on those wickets, it was hard work. Um, I was obviously incredibly happy and lucky to get those six wickets in my first innings and I saw how hard it was the three innings after that I didn't get one wicket so it's, it's you've got to be relentless you've got to grind away and, and like I said be relentless on your length and try and put as much energy on the ball when you're bowling those long spells something that Alici's done so well the last few years bowling more overs than anyone so I've got to keep developing that getting overs into my body yeah and I loved it I think like I said hopefully I can develop um, into more of a frontline spinner over the next few years and going forward
4: because there's been a lot of talk already there's six months to go to that India tour has that experience in Pakistan and also the amount you work on your bowling has that fueled that desire to maybe break into that test team for that tour and take that responsibility of potentially playing a huge role with the ball
1: yeah I mean obviously everyone wants to play for England yes. I want to do that as much as the next guy yeah and India is obviously a place where generally you're going to play two or three spinners I mean you've got Ruti bowling really well and he's taken 60 test wickets he's very handy and he's always going to play so you're probably looking at Lichi and one other for the depending on the wickets obviously for the for the other spots so it's hard to get in there um, there's obviously other guys who can do that role so I'm just going to do what I can i love to play test cricket at the same time I want to I play franchise cricket I love T20 cricket there's a there's a balance and I've got to find that
4: a lot of pros back in the day used to say test cricket's the pinnacle has that balance changed for you in terms of a youngster growing up the introduction of franchise cricket is test cricket still th- the main goal for you or is it franchise cricket or- yeah I think
1: test cricket still is the pinnacle I mean you see the ashes recently everyone's watching on TV it's, it's absorbing uh, there's a real meaning behind it the history and, and how invested in it almost the whole cricket country is I think the franchise cricket just brings other opportunities it's like for guys who aren't necessarily going to play test cricket but they know they've got great skill in white book cricket there's almost similar opportunities there it's almost like the test cricket of t20 in a way so for guys like myself who hopefully would can do both it's, it's like i said just before it's finding that right balance if i'm if i'm going to play test cricket then obviously i'm going to play test i want to play test cricket if i'm not going to play test cricket i want to give myself the best chance to play franchise cricket and play for as long as i can and hit the ball as far as i can pretty much
4: how excited are you by the opportunities that franchise cricket brings? Because there's like 11, 12 franchise tournaments now. Is that more difficult every season to sort of plan your winter? Because there's more tournaments and the more you do well in tournaments, more people will want you, I guess.
1: It is tough because you almost have to start planning your, your year earlier and earlier. You have to try and get yourself in a team at ASAP, otherwise that spot's going to be gone. So. And obviously everyone's hunting for the same spots, so I think now you see in December January there's so many comps that overlap um, which creates more opportunity because obviously guys you can't play in all three tournaments it just creates good opportunities for everyone I mean you've got to find keep saying balance but you've got to find that with your time as well you don't want to be away for six months of the entire winter slogging away get back to April for the county season and, and be and be bust so you've got to find that right tempo red ball white ball and how much you play away over the winter and stuff
4: And just finally looking at head to the future There's obviously going to be that clash between England and a franchise tournament, but are you excited at at your age that you still have probably ten plus years to improve, to get better, Mm. and keep playing in all these competitions and for England at the same time?
1: Yeah, it's obviously there's there's no rush. That's
4: the thing. I say,
1: franchise cricket is brilliant. There's the money factor, obviously, which everyone knows about. There's the the you can play for four weeks and just chill out, play golf, obviously. So it's 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 a nice lifestyle. Obviously, you've got to perform at the same time, but the lifestyle is good. Obviously, test cricket can be can be a slog, but I think it's the most rewarding format. Uh, I know when we won my debut in Rialpindi, and with the last ten minutes or whatever it was, the feeling there is absolute satisfaction and, and reward for the hard work that you've put in. So, yeah, I'm 24 years old. There's there's ample time um, to hopefully reach my goals in franchise and international cricket, and yeah, hopefully I'll do that.
0: Will Jacks uh talking to our very own uh, scott taylor uh, and speaking very very well really impressive and you know
3: uh, i just love it he says i've been underutilized and that's a shame yeah he did he spoke nicely he's, i think he's somebody with leadership qualities I, I really do i think you might see him captain surrey in the future and uh, where that takes him who knows he performed well for england when he was out in pakistan I think he's got a chance to go to India I really do. I don't think he's a frontline spinner yet in test cricket. I don't think he is and I'm not that's nothing against you man I just don't think he's bold enough in the longer format of the game to say he's a front frontline spinner. And the challenge for for Will will be how does he get that bowling if he is selected to be England's second spinner in 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 India. I think Leach goes as a number 1 do they play two Especially with Ben's knee, where do they get that all-rounder? Will Jacks could fill that all-rounder's role as that sort of second spinner, yeah, number six, number seven batter. So I think that's what he's got to try and get himself in a position, his head round, try and get him in a position to to push for that spot. Um, and he will he will end up a frontline spinner the more he bowls in in either international cricket or in in first class cricket as it comes around. So I'm mightily impressed by the way he spoke. Very, very impressed by where he performed in the winter, I watched him in the hundred last night. He he batted really, really well at the top of the order. Very explosive. He's a good player. He seems as though he thinks about the game as well. He knows the game. Um, he's quite level level headed when he speaks. So, I think that will have a that that will will be his career as well. From from uh, from that point of view, that he seems as though he thinks about the game very nicely. Um, and the more he plays in it in red Bull cricket the more he will turn himself into a frontline spin bowler. And that is a great option for England because of the, the his undoubted qualities with the bat. So, you know, sure. well done so far, but still a long way to go. Do
0: you remember when he was selected in the in the Pakistan test squad as a spinner and uh, and the people scoffed and said, uh, we were taking Liam Livingston and Will Jacks, two batsmen who bowl part-time spin as our spinners to to Pakistan? And I'll never forget... Our dear friend and, and colleague here on Talk Sport and the head coach of sorry, Gareth Batty got really quite agitated and he said, mm. Will Jacks is not a part-timer. He, mm. you know, he said he puts as much action and energy and revolutions on the ball as any spinner in the country. He is a proper spinner. And Bats was really quite outspoken. And then of course he
3: took six wickets in the first season. <laughs> he did, and he bowled, he bowled really well. And I think I think where people look at him as a part time bowler, largely down to the fact that what a battery is. And I think people see him as a as a bat. People are still talking about Mo and Ali as a part-time bowler. he got two good test wickets. So, you know, it's just because of how good a batter he is. I think the difference between Mo and Ali and Will Jacks is that Will Jacks hasn't bowled. Mo and Ali played the back end of, you know, before franchise system come in the one-day game. Mo and Ali played a lot of first-class cricket. So he turned himself into a very, very good frontline off-spinner. And I think... The franchise stuff is probably what's stopping Will Jack's bowling the volume of three, four, 500 overs a summer because of you know the hundreds and the blast and other competitions that are going. He's got qualities, huge amount of qualities, as Bat says. Um, I just don't think he's got the volume. He's had the volume inside him to sort of say he is a frontline bowler, I'm largely down to the fact that he bats so well that people will always see him as a batter who can bowl. Rather than a genuine all rounder. But I think the more he plays in Red Bull cricket and the more test matches he plays, especially in the subcontinent, his talent will come through and he'll be talked as more and more as a frontline bowler as well. So, you know, time will tell and we'll wait and see.
0: Okay. Well, lots more to come in part four. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Durham Hall of Famer, Steve Harmison. OK, this is a story that's uh, been rumbling on for uh, a couple of weeks, if not a month now. South Africa confirmed that uh, they will send a severely weakened side to New Zealand for two test matches at uh, the beginning of February. They confirmed that uh, the, the cherished SA-20 will clash with the tour and everybody, every South African cricketer who has an SA-20 contract will be ineligible for selection to the test side. I mean, the interesting news. Oh, by the way, I can confirm that uh, David Beddingham has been approached and he scored another 150 a couple of days. Uh, 150 yes, this <laughs> week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'd be very, very surprised if he isn't on the verge of starting a most unexpected test career and the very, very best of luck to him. But here's the thing, Harmi, is this, this might not quite be over because the test captain, Temba Bavuma, He's a fringe player, very much a peripheral player. He was signed only at the end of the first SA20, having not embarrassingly uh, been picked up in the in the first draft. So he's unlikely to play. He is desperate to play. He's captain of the test team. He's desperate to play. And I hear from reasonably good sources that he is exploring options. now. And the SA20 and his franchise... Are saying no 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 you, you, you're signed you you know what the situation is you you're signed and uh, you're but but he's not even going to play he's not in the starting 11 there are squads of 19 19 in the SA 20 and they're saying none of them are available I think Temper Bavuma is a strong man you know that you've seen him yeah. what he's stood up to and what he's been through and um, you know what he what he doesn't have in physical stature he makes up for in every other way and I I think he's going to make a stand I
3: look at that matters and I go, do you know what? Common sense has got to prevail. Surely the South African Cricket Board can talk through in a, in a sensible fashion, especially when it comes to Bavuma. And I and I, I remember that I remember criticizing Andrew Strauss for not going to Bangladesh, you know, nearly ten more than ten years ago. And it's like your captain has to go into the country. I, I'm I'm old fashioned on that. If your captain's fit. You, you you sign up to be captain of your national cricket team and you take your team into another country. Yeah. Uh, you, you uh, it's, it's a must in anything. You don't rest the captain for, for any international fixtures abroad when you are representing the board and another country. He goes in. And I think for me, especially the way Bavuma plays in this SA20, that would be a no-brainer for South African cricket board to say, look, if we're going to have one... If we, if there is only one that comes out of the uh, of the whole thing, it has to be Bavuma, because he's an international test match captain. He has to take the team in because that's what we we sign up to do. Whether it's you know, he goes in for one test match and comes back, but he goes in and plays that first test match. I'm a big believer in in that. But uh, there's a lot you know him more than I do, manners, because you obviously you reside in the country. You you see the politics. You write about it all the time you see that Graham Smith is in charge of the SA20 and did an unbelievable job. But when he was doing, you know, he left the job of the top of South African cricket. When you look at the way that happened, it just seems as though there's a lot of big chiefs who want to play against each other. And unfortunately, it's the cricket that gets in the middle. And whether Bavuma goes or he doesn't go, or Bettingham, it looks like he will go and Elgar will go and four or five under-19s. If common sense was to come out of this, South Africa would still go to New Zealand with a relatively good start in 11, and then maybe some good drink carriers as well.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? the um, The controversy or whatever, the it's not it, it's not just uh, in the men's team um it the, it's extended to the south african women's team now mm. but it's uh, interesting that they when they they first appointed the the first coach of the south african women's team hilton moreng was appointed 11 years ago and uh, when the team was wasn't really a team it was strictly amateur um there wasn't any formal women's competition in the country and he was he was given the job he was a schools coach and it's still there 11 years later. And the players who subsequently, you know, some of the be- very best in the world, Shabnam Ismail, Marazan um, Dane van Niekerk, uh, who, of course, they reversed that fitness policy that saw Dane van Niekerk re- retire prematurely and miss the last T20 World Cup. But Sine Leus was her, her replacement as captain. And she has now refused she stepped down as captain and refused to go on the next tour coming up next week to Pakistan they haven't appointed um, another captain and it's all in protest at the retention of Hilton Morang this coach who was appointed 11 years ago it's really interesting because Cricket South Africa say well you reached the final of the T20 World Cup you've reached two World Cup semi-finals with Hilton in charge and the players are saying, look, it's not about Hilton. He's a lovely man. We all enjoy him very much on a personal mm-hmm. personal level. But in the intervening years, they've played in the 100 and the Big Bash and played all over the world. They've been exposed to more advanced coaching methods. Uh, and so they're saying, we need a new coach. And mm-hmm. Cricket South Africa is saying, well, no, you, this one's doing all right. <laughs> I mean, it is possible to have success and for the players to say, "Yes, we've had success, but it's if not in, despite the coach, we would have had a, even more success with a more experienced, more innovative, more forward-thinking, modern coach."
3: Yeah, and it, it, it's, always that, it's always the it's always the the tough one because yeah, obviously, I don't know the the ins and outs of of the stories that that's going, and the, the South African Cricket Board might say, "Oh, you got to the final, you got to two World Semi Finals." Mm-hmm. The players might turn around and say nothing against Hilton. He's he's done it for free. He's he's done it off, you know with a great big heart. But if we had somebody who is in the coaching system that sees what happens in around the world and is around other dressing rooms and new ideas and innovations to to get us, we've got the talent to win and not just finish in the semi final spots, not just get into the final. The other talent we've got is to win. So the players are putting themselves under pressure because of Cricket South Africa back down and go right, fair enough. There you go. There is a coaching team beyond any other coaching team when it comes to you know the women's game and you're know, working out what's the best formula in different situations. And you don't win, you're putting yourself under a, a lot of pressure as a as a as a group of players. So it's always a hard one. I think politics in in all sports are, are huge. I think players are now getting more and more, not just in cricket. I watch football. You know, where my job at Talk Sport, I see a lot of football and you go, he's there. He's going to go. Um, I've had down tools now. My contract's longer than the manager's. See another one off. In he comes, we'll see another one off. And so sometimes there's a lot of player power in world sport now. And unfortunately, it'd be interesting to see if South Africa back down to bring their best players back. They didn't back down in... In the fitness policy, and I thought that cost them one of their best players during the T20 World Cup, will they back down this time and lose their captain for a tour to Pakistan? Interesting to see.
0: So they've retained the same fitness criteria, but they've given the ultimate discretion to the coach. In other words, Dana Faniko missed her two-kilometre time trial target by 18 seconds. Um, and was not selected as captain uh, for the last T 20 World Cup. They have now given that final discretion to the coach, just to clarify that. OK, well, uh, let's move on to a whole bunch of other stories. I found it fascinating that there was apparently serious speculation that uh, Paul Farbrace might return to Kent as director of cricket. He's only just got his feet under the desk at Sussex, and it seems like a job that he's really enjoying mm. there. And he did move to emphatically den- deny any uh, approach by Kent and that he would be staying at Sussex.
3: Yeah, that was that was quite a surprise. I'm not, I'm sorry, I wasn't surprised to see his name mentioned, but I was surprised that it got the marriage it did because you know, he has just gone to Sussex. He loves working with young players. Farby is a great man who loves working with young players to try and get the best out of, you know, the, in, in trying to help shape the future of, uh, of their careers. I still think Fabi's a tracksuit man. I don't see him sitting behind a desk. I don't see him doing... Well, I've seen that Ashley Giles' CEO job. I've seen that because, you know, Giles went through business school. He 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 loves the tracks. So don't get me wrong, does Ash. But he likes the managerial side of it. I, and I've I seen Giles go and doing that. And by the way, the amount of players he's losing and the players he's lost and what you would think would be an upheaval and turmoil, how well are they doing, by the way, at Wor- Worcester? Fantastic under Alan Richardson and Jilo's gone in there to, to help them out. You know, they'd been kicked and knocked and they're still up there in the championship. They're still in the 50 over competition. So I, I don't see Fabi as a, leaving the track to one well, now he's got it back on. He, he had it, it director of cricket at Warwickshire. And I don't know this for a fact, but knowing Fabi as I do, I can imagine there'll be quite a few times he had itchy feet wanting to be out there in charge of shaping the future of players rather than, you know, having to deal with the emails and the, the stuff that goes off it. Because Goffey, again, I see Goffey. Goffey enjoying, you know, the side that is, yeah, you know, which is a managerial side rather than just a one-to-one coach. I think is a one-to-one coach.
0: Okay. A couple of other news items. Dan Moriarty, a lot of people have been saying for a couple of years now, why hasn't he made the progress that was expected of him at Surrey? Well, he's off. He's uh, signed, going to sign a 3 or has signed a three-year deal with Yorkshire. So, so where does this leave Don Bess, who seems to be being moved around from pillar to post,
3: from county to county, loan deals here and there? Yeah, I think I think it's not a bad move for, for either of them. I think I think Bess is going to go back to Somerset, I would have thought. He's gone there on loan, um, hasn't done too badly. I, you, you see a lot. We've seen a lot of the young spinners move around. Callum Parkinson's gone to a... Well, what was a test ground. He's gone to, obviously gone to Durham from Leicester. Matt Parkinson's gone down to Kent. These young spinners are moving around just to try and find a role in the, in the first-class game. I think when you look at Parkinson, Parkinson, Bess and Moriarty, Bess is a little bit different, played in national cricket, bats and bowls a bit, but the rest of them are, are bowling spinners. And what I mean by that, is it's not the all-round package. Do we see less and less of these in the game? Are we seeing more of the the will Jacks who we see them as a a multifunctional player, bat, bowl, and field, as opposed to? Well, Matt Parkinson's a bowler, can't bat. Callum Parkinson, bowler, bats a bit. Moriarty the same. Are we seeing them move around to try and fit in with a with what what sort of counties need? Um, I think it's a good move for Moriarty. He needed to get away from Surrey because he was stalling a little bit. I think it would be a good move to, for Don Bess if he can secure a contract back home where he probably feels more comfortable being back at Somerset.
0: OK, and uh, another retirement. Um, and again, much more to celebrate than to be sad about. Catherine Silver-Brunt has called time on all forms of the game. She missed what would have been her final appearance for the Trent Rockets due to injury. So congratulations, Catherine, on all... You've uh, achieved and um, enjoy the next phase of life. I'm going to give you a choice of the final word this week. Your first choice, option A, is Joe Denley captaining his nephew, Jaden, for Kent in the one day cup win over Essex on Sunday. It's a subject that father and son combinations playing together or against each other has fascinated me for years. And years. Um, did you know that uh, Alan Butcher played against Mark Butcher at the end of Alan's career and the beginning of they Mark's did, career? Right at the end,
3: yeah.
0: Okay, so that, that's your first choice: Joe captaining Jaden in the One Day Cup, and your second choice option B is Johnny Besto, Harry Brook, and Adil Rashid being given the freedom of the city of Bradford.
3: Yeah, the freedom of city of Bradford. Yeah, I'm coming. What that means, you can walk cattle down, or you and walk sheep down the high street <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it's great. It's great for them to be recognised in the place that you were you were from. You feel so proud and privileged. I got offered to be Deputy Lieutenant of Northumberland when Jack Charlton reached 75. And to go, I, I really only do remember it Sunday, and you go and lay a wreath on behalf of, well, it's His Majesty now, the King. That gives you a huge amount of pride when you do it at your own, in your own town, where you from where you come from. So from the lads from Bradford's case. That's brilliant. But I think the last word has to be to young Jen Den Lee starting his career. It's brilliant that he's still able to play with his with his with his uncle. I was fortunate to play with my I was fortunate to win the championship with my brother and still think it's one of the best things, you know, you you'll ever do walking off the field, walking on the field with somebody that you grew up with, you know, somebody that you shared a room with, you know, shared a house with, lived you are so for so long with um to play with a family member is i think is the immense pride your family must have when they see you go on the field together is huge and for for joe and and jaden to to share the field i'm sure the yeah, the whole denley family will be immensely proud and good you know good on them for good on kent for for producing what looks like um a fine young talent there
0: indeed so You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week where we'll be joined by England batter Lauren Winfield-Hill. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.